Hello, and welcome to FRE's Book Club, where we read so you don't have to. Today we'll be reading Alex Ryder by Anthony Horowitz. Chapter 13 11 o'clock. Alex burst out of the house and stopped in the open air, looking stoppable to London. He was aware of the alarm given, cars running towards him, and two cars, strangely distant away, tipping up the main drive heading to the house. It was a obvious that something was wrong. Nobody would know yet what, know what it was. They shouldn't be looking for him. At least not yet. How about giving the edge? It looked as, as if it was too late. Today was private helicopter was already gone. Only the cargo plane was left. Alex was going to reach the science museum in London with 59 minutes left for him. He had to be on it. But the cargo plane was already in motion, rolling slowly away from its trucks. In a minute or two, it would go to the pre-flight test. Then it would take off. Alex looked around from open book to an army jeep parked to a driving in the front door. There was a guard standing next to it, a cigarette sticking out of his hand, looking around to see what was happening, but looking the wrong way. Perfect. Alex was going to look across the gravel. He had brought a weapon from the house, in the sales car pin gun, just making past the distance he'd left the room, and he snatched it up, determined at last that someone could use to protect himself. It would be easy to shoot the guard right now, or harpoon in the back of it would be his. Alex couldn't do it. Whether Alan Blunt and M16 was to turn him into, he wasn't ready to shoot in cold blood. Not for his country, not even for the safe of his own life. The guard looked up as Alex approached and fumbled from the footstool in the holster at his belt. He never made it. Alex used the handle of the harpoon gun, swinging it and hook around, up to hit him hard under the chin. The guard crumpled, the pistol flung out of his hand. Alex grabbed it and looked into the jeep, grateful to see the keys were in the ignition. He turned them and heard the engine start up. He knew how to drive. It's just something else he had to make sure he learned. As soon as his legs were long enough to reach the pedals, the other cars were closing in on him. They must have seen him attack the guard. Meanwhile, the plane was wheeled around and was already flexing off the dog and run away. He wasn't going to reach it in time. Maybe it was the thing that came away from all sides with sharp defenses. Maybe it was this close escape from many dangers before. But I seemed to have to think, no, he'd do. He's done a hundred times before. Maybe the train could be even more effective than he thought. He reached into his pocket and took out the yo-yo that Smith was giving him. There was a metal stud in the belt that he was wearing, and slammed the yo-yo against it, feeling it click into anything. As it was being signed to, then as quickly as he could, he tied it in with metal and caught the ground to the wall of his RP. Finally, he tucked the pistol that the guy took into the back of his trousers. He was ready. The plane was facing down the runway, propelled at full speed. Alex wrenched the game to fifth. Released that and break and gunned the jeep forward, shooting under the driver onto the brass, heading for the airstrip. At the same time, there was a channel of machine gun fire. The young gunner was still on the road, twisted away as his wing was exploding. Bullet bullet slammed into the windshield of the doors. Because they had seen him coming up the main drive, had wheeled around to come behind him. Each of them had a guard in the back seat. The young got the window firing at him, and they were getting closer. Alex tried to go faster, but it was already too late. The two cars had reached them for a horrible second, fast themselves damaged between them. But on each side, Dolly inches away from the cars, looking left and right next to the barrels where the machine runs. There was only one thing to do. He slammed his foot on the brake, ducking at the same time. The jeep skidded through a hole and the two cars dashed past him. There was a chatter as both machine was open fire. Alex looked up. The two guards had reached their trooper simultaneously. The aim got him, the jeep suddenly out of their side and looked firing at each other. There was a yell, and then the class lost control and crashed into a tree. Metal rock crumpled against the wall. Those screeched to a halt, reversed, and then turned to come after him.
Alex slammed the car back into first gear and set off again. Bob was the plane. There were growing zones with rolling up the window. It was still moving slowly but rapidly picking up speed. Alex kicked the tar lock and followed. His foot was, was pressed down. The gas man had his voice with me. I did the steering wheel up 70 but it wasn't fast enough. He straight ahead of him, the way was blocked. Two more cars had arrived in the window. Four guys had been streamed on fire and dead. Fast running out the window. We had a clear shot. There was nothing to do but to them from Peyton King unless he turned the steering wheel and yelled as he spun across the runway behind the plane. Now that he had been claimed between him and the approaching cars, he was sick, only for a few seconds. The plane was about to leave the ground. Alice from the front wheel separated itself and ran away. He glanced in his mirror. The car had chased him from the house to right on his tail, had nowhere left to go. He got one car behind him, two more ahead. The plane was now in the air. The back wheel was lifting off. The guard speaking A. Everything at 70 miles an hour. Alex let go of his finger, grabbed the harpoon and fired. The harpoon flashed in the air. The yo-yo attached to Alex got spun, being about 30 rounds, especially the guys advanced now on call. The, the pointed head of the harpoon dances up to the underbelly of the ship. Alex got himself being torn in half as he was jammed out of the deep on the end of the call. In seconds, he was 40, 50 yards above the runway, dangling underneath the plane. His gear swerved out of control. The two oncoming cars tried to avoid it and failed. Both of them hit it in a three-way head-on collision. There was explosion. A ball of fame and a fist with gross neck that followed Alex up as if trying to seize him. One moment later, there was another explosion. The third car didn't travel in too far. It ploughed into the burning wrecks, flipped them up, and continued screeching on the runway and spat before it too burst into flames. Alex saw little of this. He was suspended underneath the air by a single white cord, twisting around and around as he was carried even further into the air. Wind was rushing past him. Battering his face and deafening him, he couldn't hit the fellows just above his head. The belt was cutting into his waist. He could hardly breathe. Desperately, he scrapped for the yo-yo and found the control he wanted. A single button. He pressed it. And inside the yo-yo, the powerful tiny makeup began to turn. Really rotating in the bed, playing in the cold. Personally, in a time, Alex was drawn up towards the plane. He'd aimed the afternoon accurately. The door at the back of the plane, and when he turned off the engine mechanism of the yo-yo, he was chosen to reach up for the handle. He had wondered who, who was blinded for where he was going. Despite not seeing the destruction of one man, he turned out to hurt him. He didn't know he could tough enough to pass the job. Opening the door was harder than Alex thought. He was still dangling around with the plane, and every time he got close to the handle, the wind drove him back. Colin was tearing into his eyes, and he could actually hardly see. Twice his fingers had found the metal handle, going to be pulled away from him before he could turn it. The first time he managed to get a better grip, but it still took all his junk to yank the handle down. The door swung open and he clambered into the hole. Took one last bow. The one that was already a thousand feet below, there were two fires raging, but at this distance, it seemed no more than much help. Alex compelled to yo-yo, freeing themselves. Then he reached into the waistband of his trousers and took up the gun. The pain was empty, and a threat from the upper bandage that Alex vaguely recognised. There was a single pilot at the controls. And something of his instruments must have told him that the door was open. He slowly twisted around. Alex's face found, his, found himself face to face with Mr. Green. What? The butler muttered. Alex raised the gun. He wondered if he had the courage to use it. He wasn't going to let Mr. Green know that. All right, Mr. Green, just with the nose of the propeller and that howl of the wind. You're going to be able to talk, but you better listen. I want you to find this link in London. I go into the science museum in South Kensington. I better be there less than an hour. You think you're trying to trip me up, bullet in you. Do you understand? Mr. Green said nothing. The, Alex fired the gun. The bullet slammed to the floor. 
Just as I at Alex, He reached out and turned the joystick, the plane dipped and began to head north. Chapter 12. Chapter 14. 12 o'clock. London appeared. Suddenly the clouds rolled back and the late morning sun broke the whole city. Shining into the view, there was the Battersea power station. Sudden power moved its forged great chimney, thin and packed. Even though much of his weeks a long eaten away, behind it, Battersea Park appeared. A small dense of green bushes and trees that were making a last stand, fighting back the urban tonight. In the far distance, the millennium wheel perched like a badly silver coin, balanced effortlessly in its rim, and all around London it crouched. Gas towers and apartment blocks, endless rows of shops and houses, roads and railways and bridges, stretched away on both sides, separated by the only silver pattern elastic or the river Thames. Electric all over to the prince, but looking out to into the door of the aircraft. He twisted and said about what he had to do. 15 minutes while the plane droned over Cornwall and Devon and somersault in the Salisbury plane before reaching down the north sound and towards Windsor in London. When he got into the plane, he intended to use the radio, call the police or anyone else who might be listening. Seeing him speaking at the control, staying back. He remembered how fast the man had been when he got to get outside the bedroom. He knew he was safe enough in the cargo area. He'd missed the grain strapped into the pilot for the front of the plane. He'd been dead in the stuff. Even with the gun, it would be too dangerous. Before Mr. Grin, uh, like, got in, was willing to land the plane on his boat, the radio started squawking when he was ready to airport. And he'd only stopped when Mr. Grin turned it off. That would that never work. And the time he reached the airport, touched down with his tool hall, would be far too late. Then, sitting on hundreds of people in the cargo area, Alex recognized the two bundles lying on the floor next to him. Oh, Mr. Grin said. And he twisted around his feet for the last time. Alex made a tedious smile that the circus man had toys in his cheeks. Then he arrived at his bed and jumped out the open door. The punches were the parachute. Alex would check them and strap them onto his back when he was still over and running. The guy who spent a day on parachute training with the SAS. Although his flight had been even worse than when he was drawn with the glass shines, this time there was no static line, though he did not be sure that the parachute was properly back. He couldn't thought of any way to reach the safety in seven minutes that had left. He had taken it. There was no other way to do that. Just like he jumped. Once he was under the pressure, the wind was so bad. He was remembered the dizzy confusion as the wind hit him once again. He closed his eyes and forced himself to count three. Cool too early, the pressure was not in the plane's tail. Even so, his hand was clenched and he barely reached the when he was pulling it on his strength. The parachute left him waiting above him and he jerked backward up him. The horns cut it into his armpit sides. He had been flying at 10,000 feet. When Alex opened his eyes, he was surprised at his sense of calm. He was dangling in the air, didn't even come to be comforting, kind of feel right, so fast as he could have even got in. But he had left the plane, speaking to him, Joe. even more distant and unreal. It was just him, the sky, and London. He was almost enjoying himself. Then he heard the plane coming back. It was already a mile or more away, and now it's in the feet. He got blank steeply to the right, making a sharp turn. The engines rose, the plane leveled out, and it headed straight towards him. Mr. Williams didn't react to get away so easily. As the plane grew closer and closer, he could imagine the man's never ending smile behind the window of the cockpit. Mr. Williams tended to steer the plane right into him, to cut his dreads in the air. Alex had expected it. He took down and took the game back for chunks of cockpit. Now, this time of no, his birth game had to be he flipped the former boy out a long time ago, slid it across the floor of the empty cargo plane, 
walk where I was now behind Mr. Greasy. Just need one set off a remote control. Press the start button three times. Inside the plane, the cartridge explodes. We see the crowd as a cloud yellow smoke. Snake billows out through the hole, curling against the train. Throwing it out the open door, Mr. Green vanished, completely surrounded by snake. The plane wobbles and then plunges down. Alex puts the plane down. Imagine Mr. Green blinded, fighting for control. The cable began to twist, slowly at first, then faster and faster. The engines whine, now what was heading straight to the ground, howling through the sky, and the snake trailed out of its wake. At the last minute, Mr. Green managed to make his nose up again, but it was too much too late. Then smashing through the cliff, it does burden piece of dock line made a river tank, slipping to a ball of flames. Alex took his watch, three minutes to twelve. He was still thousands of feet in the air, and if he landed on a very doorstep of the side of the he wasn't going to make it. Having called the ropes, he reasoned them to stay himself, he tried to work out the fast to slow down. He said the east hall of the side of the and Harold said he had come to the end of his speech. The entire chamber had been transformed from a great moment where the jumbo said would be bought online. The room was caught between the old and new. Between stone cornerments and stainless steel roofs, from the latest in high tech and the old curiosities of the Industrial Revolution. The pigeon had been set in the centre of the same, the Prime Minister, the First Secretary, and the Minister of State for Education. Followed the no 12 rows of chairs with journalists, teachers, and invited friends. Alan Buck was in the front row, it's a motion to discover. The judge just in black, and the large group of her lapel was next to him. The evil size television towers had been constructed with cameras, focusing on the state of state. The future of the broadcast life is caused throughout the country and also been shown on the evening news. The whole was packed with another two or three hundred people, standing on first and second galleries, looking around the prison from all sides. This bell spoke, picked the tip, called his turn, and a light bulb splashed. He had the private in the evening, but this generous gift of the nation. This was an event, history in the making. It was the Prime Minister. The Prime Minister alone was responsible for what was about to happen. Because he, 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 he had seconds to discover 
or why the church built buildings, church built towers and windows. It's time to begin National History Museum. National History Museum was on Kumar Road. How do you get there from South Region? Of course, turn left at the lights up Expedition Road. Melloway, I've pulled the parachute, guided himself toward it. How the world looks compared to the other landmarks. The rectangular building just in, in from the main road. The flat railways, the next series of arches. The sort of matching the railway station, perhaps an enormous compound dome. There was a dull orange in colour. Colouring one of the universe, it appears to be made of glass. Alex could land on the flat roof, then you'd have to look down to the curved one. So the guard he takes with the guard, he could use it to warn Prime Minister. And if he had to be bigger, he could use it to shoot him and say, Somehow he managed to remove himself from the museum, but it was only as as he fell the last item of feet, he heard the clock strike twelve. And he was left open. He was moving and falling too fast if he missed the flat roof. He found the side of the The original is forging with a wire glass. But sometime recently, the rest of the thing flew as he was dropping a second piece of plastic sheeting over the top. This was owing to the Alex's team. Crashing to it, they both feet at 30 miles per hour. Bruce continues drifting into his inner chamber. Just into the network of still going and maintenance building. Barely at that moment, what looks like a brown carpet stretched out over the clothing surface below. And he could take them tall through that back too. So if there was no one in the thing cover, the sand keep the light and dust off the glass that it covered. But yell, Alex smashed through the, through the glass. At last, he finally caught in the beam. He jumped through a hole swing and made there through the east pool. This is what he saw. Far below him, all around him, three hundred people stopped him, staring up at him in shock. There had been more people in jazz directly under him, and some of them had been hit. There was blood and broken glass. A bridge made of green glass slats stretched across the hall. There was a futuristic information desk in front of it, at the very centre of everything. It was a makeshift stage. He saw the stormbreaker first, and with a sense of disbelief, he recognised the Prime Minister, standing sword-jacked next to Harold Singh. Alex Swart hung in the air, smiling at the end of a parachute. At the last, at, at the last glass, Ellen disintegrated over the terracotta floor. Movement and sound just returned to the east hall in an ever widening way. Security was the first to react. In the midst of the individual weddings, men you could see, they were suddenly everywhere, killing from beneath. Guns in hand, they'd been empty for a second before. Alex had also jumped into the gun, pulling it from the waistband of the shovel. The week of spare he was here before so I was to the stormbreakers, but he doubted it. Shoot fast and ask questions later. The lines were bad things. But even bad things are sometimes right. He emptied the gun. Bullets echoed around the room, surprisingly loud. People were screaming as they as push, punching and pushing as they fought for gun. The first bullet smashed into the information desk. The second hit the Prime Minister in the hand. His finger less than an inch away from the mouth. The third hit the mouth, blowing to the fragments. The fourth hit and left in electrical connection, disintegrating the phone shot slowly. So it died for him, determined to come out himself. The fifth and sixth bullets hit him. As soon as Alex had fired the last bullet, he dropped the gun, letting it clattered to the floor below, and he held up the palms of his hands. He felt ridiculous. Hanging there from the ceiling, his arms outstretched. There were already a dozen gunships pointing at him, and he had to show that he was dead. They were no, he was no longer armed, and he didn't need to shoot. Even so, he braced himself into the security as open fight. Almost imagine the hail bullets tearing into him. As far as they were concerned, there was some sort of crazy terrorist who just pulled the pressure from his youth and taking six shots to the Prime Minister. It was their daughter killing. It's what they've been trained for. Well, the bullets never came off. All the men were equipped, ready to your microphones, and in the front row, two drones have control. 
going to recognize Alexi just speaking into, into her boot. Don't shoot, repeat. Don't shoot. Awaits my command. Lepage and the plone of Link Greyflakes rose out of the side. The broken, useless stormbreaker. Two men who brushed the family stuff and scratched his wrist. Blood dripping out of his hands. The, photog- the photographers and journalists had begun to shout questions. The cameras were flashing and the television cameras didn't snuggle around to focus on the figure swaying high above. More security by most moving to see the exit following orders from Mrs. Jones. While Alan Blunt looked on, scoffing his life out of his debt. The devil's new Simon Perrin sale, the head of sale enterprises, was dropped twice, but somehow he disappeared. Chapter 15 Yasun, you slightly spoiled him by shooting the Prime Minister, Alan Blunt said, but all in all, it be congratulated Alex. Not only lived up to our expectations, you way exceeded them. It was late afternoon the following day when Alex was sitting in Blunt's office at the Royal General Building, Liverpool Street, wondering just why after everything was done for them, the head of M16 had designed quite much in the principle of a second-rate private school giving him a control point. Mr. J- Mrs. Jones was sitting next to him. Alex had refused to offer the peppermint. It was going to realize it was all the reward he was going to get. She now spoke up for the first penny coming to the room. Might like to know about the clearing up operation. Sure. He glanced at Blunt. He nodded. First of all, we didn't expect to read the truth about any of this in the newspapers. So a demon is this on it. If you don't want to pick anything, of course, the ceremony is decisive in the truth of life. But fortunately, we'll be able to cut transition before the current perspective. In fact, nobody knows what the 14 year old boy who caused all the chaos. And we plan to keep it that way, Blunt muttered. Why? I listen like the sound of it. Mrs. Jones seems to question. The newspaper had to pick something, of course. The we put out is that still in the tap there, his unknown terrorist organization is going to hire him. Where is he? Don't know. If you'll find, we'll find him. There's no way on life he can hide from us. Okay, Alexander Bouton. And as for the stormbreakers, you already know there's a dangerous product for it, and it didn't take the turn to be electrocuted. Embarrassing for the government, of course. They've all been recorded and they're bringing them in now. So he was saying, he's fanatical, but he told them that the corporate virus is going to be released by the Prime Minister at the site of the gym. None should destroy this pickup, even though a few schools that so I had to stop the computers haven't been infected. It was very close, but we analyzed a couple of samples. It's lethal. Worse than the stuff I have doing during the Gulf War. You know, he supplied it. Blunt cost, no. But the supper in as well. Forget about the subject, it was obvious that Blunt didn't want to talk about it. Just make sure what make all the necessary inquiries. What about Yasin Gogorovich? Alex asked. Mrs. Jones took over. He closed that plant down at Fort Talon. You know, I already have most of the personnel on the desk. I was unfortunate, and if you weren't able to add Nadia Horley, or the man who was Mr. Green, he never talked much anyway, Alex said. It was lucky that plane crashed into a building site. Mrs. Jones told him, went on, nobody else was killed. As for Yasmin, I imagine, he disappeared. The work he told us, it was clear he wasn't actually working for sale. He was working for the responsible sale. And I doubt they'd be very pleased with him. Yasmin was probably on the world besides the world maybe. When me, perhaps, we'll find him. We'll never stop looking. There was a long silence. They didn't refuse spy masters. I said all they wanted. There was one more question, and no one had to tackle. What happens to me? Alex asked. Go back to school, Blunt replied. 
جاي في قابل الف 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 محلي الكس شاب على الكتاب لك في دكتور سمع يبدو بيت فلي ممكن يكون very bad for me if anyone asks he's a real doctor he has any trouble continues living in uncle's house but he has to keep going through he was jack whatever we're gonna have music he's a real music he continues to ask for music and that way we'll know why you are we need you again need you again the world's chilled alex more than anything that ever happened in the past few weeks you've got to be kidding he said no blunt is quite coolly it's not my habit to make the jokes you've done very well alex and some joe as i'm walking to the camera when stuff art himself up just to pass his thanks on to you and the matter of fact that he could be very wonderfully useful as someone as young as you as talented as you blunt cut in and really be some ups from time to time to have like a wall stop of any argument let's not talk about it now whenever another situation arises maybe we can talk about it then yeah sure i like to from one one to another these what people are going to take over the altar you know both ways or both is charming for mr green can i go he asks of course you can you let someone to go to drive you home both ways just got up i'll find my own way she should have been feeling better She's elevated down to the same floor. He affected thousands of school children. He had beaten Hanksen and had been killed or even badly hurt. So was that feel happy about Until the simple blood had forced him into him. In the end, the big difference between him and James Bond wasn't a question of age, it was a question of loyalty. In the old days, guys had done what they'd done because they loved their country, because they believed in what they were doing, but he'd never been given the choice. Nowadays, blinds weren't employed, they were used. He came out of the building, going to walk up the street station, then a cab trip, drove along and he stabbed it down. He was too tired for pub- public transport. He glanced at the driver. Uh, he huddled over this wheel, the whole limited, homemade cardigan, slurred into the maximum. Chen Ming, Chelsea, Alex said. The driver turned around, he was holding the gun. His face was paler than in the last, Alex saw it. And the pain of people like to just do it and draw over it. But impossible. It was, it was, it was Harold saying, If you move, you bleeding child, I will shoot you. Sarah was dead. His voice was pure venom. If you try anything, I will shoot you. Sit still, you're coming with me. The doors clicked shut, looking automatically. Harold Sarah turned around and drove off down Liverpool Street, heading for the city. Alex didn't know what to do. He was certain that he had a chance to shoot him anyway. Why else would he take a huge chance of driving up to the very door of the M16 headquarters in London? He thought about trying the window, perhaps trying to get the attention of another car and traffic light, but he wouldn't work. They would turn around and kill him. The man had nothing left to lose. I drove for 10 minutes. It was a Saturday and the city was closed. Traffic was light. Then Phil pulled up in the front of a modern glass with the skyscraper with an abstract statue tree, oversized brown. Bonds and remarks on this loud consequence outside the front door. You'll get out of the car with me. You and I will walk into the building. If you think that about running, remember that this gun is pointed to your spine. Slow got out of the car first. His eyes never left Alex. Let's keep the two bullets and hit him in the left arm and shoulder. His left hand was handed in it, but the gun was right hand. It was perfectly steady. Aimed at Alex's yellow back. The bullet was swing doors and they were open. Alex found himself in a marble classroom with levels of things in the curving box section there. There was no picture either. Sarah just seized the gun and walked over to a bank of elevators. 
from the Muslim people to go in. Don't you know for your suicide? Alex, let's talk. We're going up there for the view, you asked. Say or nothing. Look all the busy jokes you want. I'm going to have the last laugh. Just keep in silence. I can feel the pressure on his ears. Lovely to always higher and higher. Say was staring at him. His damaged arm tucked into his side. Pushing himself against one wall. Alex thought about attacking him. Just get the element of surprise, but no. They were too close. He saved his cool but left his brain. Say we got turned left to come to the door open. Alex thinks he was told the door marked his mark pretty bad. A flight of concrete steps laid up. Alex thought they were still moving up. They climbed the steps and reached up another door with a fish bar. Alex pressed it and they went through. He was back outside, slightly floors up in a flat roof with a radio mast, a tall metal fence on around the perimeter. Two sails hanging on the head of a huge cross painted in red paint. Looking around, you could see across the city of Canary Wharf and beyond. Seeing the quiet spring day, Alex had left a road in the metropolis. But when he up here, the wind streamed apart us and the cloud boils. You ruined everything, Seal howled. How did you do it? How did you do it? I had beaten you if you were a man, but they had had to send a boy, a bloody schoolboy. Well, it isn't over yet. I'm leaving England. That's why I brought you here. I wanted you to see. So, no, then Alex turned around. There was a helicopter hovering in the air above behind you. Where it come from? Those people painted red and yellow. A lightsaber ending their craft and a figure of figuring in dark glasses and a helmet on over the controls. The helicopter was a color by EC 120B. In the quietest in the world. It's one with the him. His blades beating in the air. That's my ticket out of here, Phil. Continue. Phil will never fail me. And one day, I'll be back. Next time, nothing will go wrong. And you won't be here to stop me. This is the end for you. This, this is where you die. There was nothing I could do. Phil raised the gun and took aim. His eyes wide. Just as black as it had ever been. Small pinpricks in a bulging light. There were two smokes, those of cracks. Alex looked down, expecting to see blood. There was nothing. He couldn't have felt anything. The sail staggered onto the floor and fell into his back. There were two gaping holes in his chest. The helicopter landed in the centre of the cross. The pilot got out. Still holding the gun that killed Harold Fury. He walked over and examined the body. Then he get with his shoes. Satisfied, he moved himself, tucking the gun away. He switched off the engine of the helicopter. And behind him, the brain slowed down and stopped. Alex looked forward. This is Stephen that noticed him for the first time. Well, Yasin Gogorovich, Alex said. The Russian nodded. It was just a tell what was going on in his head. His clear blue eyes gave nothing away. Why did you kill him? Alex asked. Those were my instructions. There was no trace of an accent in his voice. He spoke softly, reasonably. He'd become an embarrassment. It was better this way. It's not better for him, Yasin shrugged. What about me? Alex asked. The Russian ran his eyes over Alex as if weighing him up. I have no instructions concerning you, he said. You're going to shoot me too? Why haven't you moved you? There was a pause. Two of them gazed at each other over the corpse of Harold Sale. You killed Ian Weber, Alex said. He was my uncle. This is drugged. I kill a lot of people, he said. One day I'll kill you, Alex responded. A lot of people have tried. Jackson smiled. Believe me, he said. It'll be better if we didn't meet again. Go back to school. Go back to your life. But the next time they ask you, say no. Killing is for grown-ups. 
and this little child. Alex is bud here barking at Alex and climbing to the cabin. The blaze started up and a, and a few seconds later, helicopter rose back into the air. The remnant hovered at the side of the building. Behind the glass, he raised his hand. The jester was sent ship to loot. Alex raised his hand. The helicopter spun away. Alex stood where he was, watching it. Do it disappeared in the dying light. The end. Don't worry, there's more. If you'd like to see more of Alex Rider, please remember to follow and leave a five-star review. And if you'd like to see any, any other book series, I'm all open to this 